to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 337 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? You know, I didn't make it to the matinee boxing yesterday. Didn't get to my uh, discount seat in time for the Matchroom Midday Show. But it has been a rough stretch for old Edward and the Matchroom Bunch. Lost two more champions yesterday in upsets. Canelo leaves town, goes to pay-per-view, and hits a fucking grand slam. Anthony Joshua loses his belts. It has been just an absolute nightmare for Sir Edward of Matchroom these last six weeks or so. Hey, he's the one that coined the phrase, game changed. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly has changed. Oh, man. Get Those elephant through. walks just aren't the same, Ken. No, no, no. It's it's getting cold over in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> people people are literally like, <laughs> grasping for straws. You're just, you're um, just grabbing bush at this point. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. Hey, man, fat camp can't come soon enough for <laughs> Sir, Sir Edward of Hearn. Um, yeah, man, Kiko Martinez just doing the lights out in a throwback performance against Kid Galahad. Uh, before we get to the intros, Ben, I just want to go ahead and get that out of the way real quick. Um, since we're going to be re- releasing this podcast early in the week, we're going to go ahead and 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 put out this, I don't know, I guess we'll call it a public service announcement. All right? Kid Galahad is a nobody. He is a B-level UK boxer that just got knocked out by a former world champion. I don't care if he has 10 losses. I don't care if he's fucking shot. Kid Galahad is a nobody. And for all of you, all of you that came out immediately after the fight was over and said that it was the upset of the year, get that neck with sandpaper. (laughs) Seriously, that is, you, you all have fucking lost your minds if you think that that, is the upset of the year. It was just a couple weeks ago that Sandor Martin came from out of nowhere and took your former pound-for-pound gem in Mikey Garcia (laughs) and fucking boxed his ears off. Have you become so used to Mikey Garcia getting his ears boxed off that you're just like, oh, I kind of thought... (laughs) <laughs> I I knew that that was going to happen, but this fucking Kiko Martinez upset of Kid Galahad, oh, just, this just flipped the fucking Monopoly board upside down mid-game. I had momentum. <laughs> I, I, Mikey, I'm like... Mikey Garcia just kept catching that shrapnel, son. <laughs> Look, man. When people coming out saying that Kid Galahad getting beat by Kiko Martinez is, I I can't, man. You know, like I'm not a, this podcast may fucking flounder for the rest of our lives or the length of the podcast. That's fine. I'm perfectly okay with that trade uh, other than playing publicist and 
and and it just seems like they've the promoters have taken a step further with the media and said, okay, guys, I know it's a week before the fight even happens, but if this happens, we're going to need you to send this out. And if this happens, we're going to need you to send this out. But we need you to get on top of it. Uh, hopefully, while the guy who's getting knocked out is still falling to the ground. Did we mention you know, there's a rematch clause? Just, again? <laughs> I, I, I can't, like, I can't do it, man. Like, good. Kid Galahad should have got knocked out by Kiko Martinez. Uh, what was next for Galahad? What was the plan? A fucking summer date at Fat Camp against the ghost of Scott Quigg? Like, what's going on here? Like, who cares? Who gives a flying fuck? And so with that public service announcement, um, I bring you back to reality and episode 337 of the Boxing Rant podcast. Welcome to the show, Vin. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, Ken. <laughs> All right, well, we got that out of the way. And coming up on the rest of episode 337, we got David Benavidez uh, putting on an imposing display last night against Kyron Davis, uh, Jaime Munguia, and Gay Brasado in a heated clash. Uh, that one was called Fight of the Year by the announcer. <laughs> Somebody got to him. <laughs> the fucking ring MC. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, fireworks everywhere. <laughs> We got a woman on a men's pound for pound list that got knocked out by another woman. How do we keep her on the men's list now? <laughs> like th this stuff is fucking wild, man. It is. But we, so we got all the post fight um, and we got the preview, uh, the big fight, the welterweight showdown, Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter. But before we get to all of that, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe anywhere. Audio podcasts are available. The video is available on YouTube. Subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Drop by theboxingrant.com and get some swag. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. Then last night on Showtime in Arizona, what I <laughs> I don't know why I'm starting with this, but one of the funniest fucking things is like homecoming, homecoming, Benavidez times two, homecoming, homecoming. And then when they fucking introduce David Benavidez in the ring, hailing from Seattle, Washington. <laughs> like, Hold on a second. Like, what is going on here? People are just playing mind games with me, man. They must know I got some fucking fuego sheesh right now. <laughs> but what'd you think about the Showtime card? What'd you think about the return of Jose Benavidez? And then obviously the main event, David. I'll start with Jose Benavidez. Wow. I I just I mean he looked like Slowpoke Rodriguez in that fight from Speedy Gonzalez. You remember Slowpoke Rodriguez? Like <laughs> carry around his satchel. That's <laughs> what he looked like. I mean, just in water with his movement, and it was it was almost like this arrogant style where it was like, "Go ahead, fucking hit me." And it was like, "Well, are you gonna fucking throw anything back, dude? Like you're getting you're getting pasted by this guy." To me. Jose Benavidez is just about done after watching that performance. He got some hometown love to get that draw. He lost that fight. Uh, I, I don't even think it was really that close. He lost by a couple rounds easy. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's much like his career has been. Like, what what did we expect from Jose Benavidez? You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not I'm, – what we saw last night pretty much told me – what I've kind of thought over the last few years, which is, does this guy really give a shit about boxing? Does he really? And clearly, based on that performance, I I don't need to see him again. 
and he probably shouldn't be fighting anymore if you're just going to take beatings like that. Like, come on, dude. That that was it was almost semi sad to watch because he was a legit like amateur prospect in this country coming up, and he just did not pan out at all. But David, on the other hand, looked like David Benavidez always looks to me. Um, the only thing I would say negatively about that David Benavidez performance was sometimes when he was unleashing them quick combos, looked a little shoe shiny. Didn't look like it had much on it, and he was just pasting, pasting the guard real quick with four or five shots. But the pressure was there. You know, I kind of the, – the lunging straights, like where he was kind of leaving his feet and throwing those lunging straights – I don't remember seeing him do that before. Maybe I missed it. Maybe that's something new that he's incorporated. But to me, it looked a little, little, a little awkward. But the pressure was there. the The output was there. The you know everything that we've come to expect watching a Benavidez fight. The dog, all of that, still appeared to be there. I will say this: after that fight, and I, I think it was a fine performance. It wasn't anything special, but it was a good David Benavidez like workman like performance. I I come away from that fight going, I think he has a little bit less of a chance against Canelo than I thought he had before that fight. And, you know, sometimes that happens when you haven't seen a fighter in a while, whatever. Maybe it wasn't his best performance, but I just came away from that going, I kind of think maybe he should fight Caleb Plant or another top-notch super middleweight before jumping in with Canelo, just to kind of see. Because I I got some a little, I got a few questions after last night. Yeah, it wasn't the cleanest performance. And I picked up on some of the, you know, the same things that that you're a little concerned about. Like he was lunging a little bit with those punches because I feel like out of all of his opponents up to this point, uh Kyron Davis was moving way more. So he was having to cut off the ring and he was having to chase a little bit early on into the fight until he was able to pin him down a little bit more, right? Um and, you know, in doing that, he was caught, like, with his feet squared towards the target. Mm-hmm. And I think if he gets caught lunging like that, but I don't think he would have to chase Canelo in that same way. So, you know, I feel like that fight would involve a bit more digging in, you yeah. know, in that matchup. But, yeah, there was, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. They, you know, I'm not making excuses for the guy, but he's... He's kind of been languishing, right? Even though he has the mentality and the talent and, you know, the intangibles to compete at the elite level, right? He's clearly a notch above Caleb Plant. <laughs> you can take that away from last night, no doubt about it. Whether he beats Canelo or not, that's a fucking, that's a separate math equation, mm-hmm. right? For that matchup. Um, there's some things about him that, I, I noticed the shoe shining a little bit, right? But what was great about a little bit of that shoe shining is he has the ability to change speeds mid-combination. And that is something that I think the lack of mobility by Canelo will get him trapped. And Canelo, look, one of the most mind-boggling scenarios in a David Benavidez-Canelo fight for me is when Canelo is on the ropes, because that will happen. And David Benavidez is right in front of him. And you have arguably the best combination puncher <laughs> who has serious fucking hand speed. Yeah. Okay? I mean, he may not he, he he may have a doughier body than Mikey Garcia, but my boy has serious fucking hand speed. And just watching 
the best fighter, you know, above, let's say, fucking welterweight with upper body movement. So you got this wizard on the ropes fucking trying to dodge this stuff. Dude, it could look like fucking Neo dodging bullets in the Matrix because even though Benavidez tries to set you up a little bit and, you know, he's a little, he could do more coming in, I feel like, if he was a bit more on balance. Um, but once he has you pinned, man, it's it's pretty electric. Um, I don't think Canelo would, would would even think for a second. He, he fought the same exact fucking game plan against three identical fighters. You know, you had three of the same exact fucking guy. <laughs> You've got Tenderheart and Callum Smith. <laughs> well, m- me really doesn't like boxing as much as me brothers do, right? And then you've got fucking, you know, you, you've got Daft Brain and fucking Billy Joe Saunders is like, <laughs> right? Right? And then you got the fucking OG RNG, the redneck gangster disciple himself, <laughs> and, Ca- and Caleb Plant showing up being like, yeah, young, you like that, Canelo? You appreciate that shit? You think I'll be boxing at, you, you think I'll be boxing at that same level, young? What, what, what you think? You know? Like, that's all three of those guys are different caricatures of the same exact level. Yes. David Benavidez is on a different level than them, but he's 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 not on Canelo's level. He's got to beat Canelo to be on or or somebody of that magnitude. I expect him to fucking bat Anthony Durrell around the ring. Um, so yeah, w- what's next for him? Is it Canelo? I, I don't know. Canelo can pick who he wants. I hear a lot of chirping coming out of David Benavidez's camp again again about a Jamal Charlo fight and he's been using the same exact fucking quote over and over and over again. I don't know what his fucking problem is. Jamal Jamal's just a big fucking pussy. He don't want to fight me. <laughs> he's he said it again. Well, I mean, you know, you're calling up a smaller, you're calling a guy to come up another weight class, so you know, okay, I get it. Yeah, he should have fought you and it would be nice to see that fight and I think that's a great fight. Absolutely. Um I'd, I'd like to see that fight it's better before. than waiting around for Canelo. Well, yeah, and, else. and both of them are seemingly in the in the uh, lo- in the Canelo lottery right now. Why doesn't the winner of you guys get Canelo? You know what I mean? Like, how about we do that instead of well, you both get Canelo. Just wait your turn, and you'll get him. Like, come on, man, uh, enough of that. Enough of the waiting your turn for the Canelo fight. But I, I, I'm with you. I think the Canelo fight, you know. Not that I don't like, I still give David Benavidez the best chance of anyone at super middleweight by a long shot. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong about like, I'm not disappointed by what I saw last night. I just kind of, after watching Canelo and him so close together, I, I'm, I noticed some things that were like, eh, he's a big target. He gets hit. His body's there to get hit. You know, I'm, I'm concerned that Canelo would tee off on him. But I'm all, I also see David Benavidez getting off on Canelo more than anybody has since Triple G. And 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 Benavidez isn't going to get off with as many jabs. He's going to get off with a few more power shots than than G got off because he's a better counterpuncher, quicker hands. And that's what it fucking takes right now. If you're going to beat Canelo, it's going to be volume of punches. It's going to be combination punching. And it's going to be not allowing him to dictate where the fucking fight happens. And when he gets to get off or when you get to, you know, just batten down the hatches and hope he doesn't fucking break your face like he's now done that we found out and to back to back fighters with Caleb Plant having a, a a broken orbital bone or fractured orbital bone, whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, look, 
it's a it's an intriguing ass fight just because of the styles that these two guys have you know one way or the other i think this fight has to happen at 168 and i think it will happen because i don't see it like you know whether i thought benavidez looked great or not I, i really don't see anybody giving him problems at that weight and i don't see jamal charlo coming up and beating him he's too big for jamal charlo too big throws too many punches too physical caleb plant Caleb Plant could probably look good against Benavidez for a, fr- a few rounds like he did against Canelo, and the same thing's going to happen. That pressure's going to get to him. So, yeah, I mean, look, Benavidez is, uh, what do they call in the catbird seat, Ken. You know, if he impressed if he impressed the ginger last night, maybe he gets the call. But uh, if you don't get the call, don't fucking wait around, man. Go get another big fight. Go get Plant. Go get Charlo. Go get somebody with a name and get get yourself another big fight under your belt. Yeah, and if you don't do that, at least uh, join the the uh, the peanut gallery back there with Zerto and fucking Dimitri Bivol. Okay, <laughs> you know, you got, go back there and be like, they're the guys who see their buddies across the street getting jumped by a bunch of other guys, and they're like waving, going, "Hey guys, you guys all right? <laughs> you got you guys you got that right? Okay, cool, man. See you later." <laughs> It's an intriguing fight because it really is the it's the best option for you know for me outside of the trilogy uh, with Triple G. I know that that's the nails on chalkboard for some of you fucking losers. Um, especially you know what I noticed like <laughs> fucking when you talk good about Canelo, man. Canelo fanboys be loving that shit. Oh yeah. But as soon as they come back and they're like, what? What? Hold on a second. Last show, this guy was fucking so la la penga de Canelo. This show. It's Triple G, no! You know? <laughs> I mean, look, dude, it takes a certain it takes a certain fighter to challenge Canelo. I do feel a little bit, okay, look, I know I'm fanboying uh, Benavidez, I, and, and I tend to do that from time to time. But the truth is, is that while Canelo has been more active than anybody out there, and I've already spoke to how I feel the level of his title run was, right? I'm not taking away the accomplishment, man. He did what he was supposed to do, and he fucking beat the fuck out of all of them. You know, you know what I mean? So, he, look, you can only do with what's in front of you. Uh, what I do know, though, for sure is, is that we got a little... Canelo is always in our mind frame, and we have, like, fresh imprints of him dominating. So I feel like there's a little bit of, uh, like... I don't know. It's it's like an his his aura is on steroids right now. No mm-hmm. pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it is. I, everybody is feeling Canelo. He has crossed over to mainstream. Um, he showed what he did to you know the fucking uh, a stacked UFC card. Like Canelo's king now, man. You know, and that's that's the way it is. So, but let's not forget though, man. It's been a while since he's had. Anybody standing across from him that has the heart, the desire, and the fucking wherewithal. It's been since Triple G, too. So let's not pretend that even though he's been on a great run, you know, the Crusher fight was what it was. Like, all these things happened. The resume looks fantastic. Canelo's done everything that he's had to do, man. I just can't. I think it's a little bit more even. I look at that dome on fucking David Benavidez, man. That thing has got Hulk structure to it. Well, you know, yeah. I think he's built. He's built for the type of punishment that Canelo dishes out, unlike those other three guys were. And, and I'm a hundred percent with you. You know, when it comes to Triple G, I, I do want to see what he looks like against Murata. But let's fucking be honest. 
There's been 24 rounds fought in that. Yeah. And it's probably like legitimately 12-12 after 24 rounds. And the fact that boxing fans have dismissed it to a point because Triple G is old. I get it. You don't need to see it. Canelo showed you in that last fight that you guys had him winning seven to five that he barely won, right? He showed you all you needed to all you needed to see. The next fight with Triple G is inevitable. He'll stop him, Kim. Oh. He will break him down and stop him. It's like, guys, like you said, don't get carried away with what you're seeing on the uh white boy summer run through the 168 pound division. Uh, Gennady Golovkin may be fair skinned, but he ain't from, he ain't a white boy. <laughs> he ain't built like that. So, you know, it, that's what we need. We're going to need guys like that. You got to be able, you got to be rock hard, fucking sturdy motherfucker to stand there for 12 rounds. <laughs> you got, I mean, rock star fucking wood for 12 rounds. You need it or else you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, when it comes to when it comes to G, and I guess the same could be for Canelo, but when it comes to G, like you said with the white boy, boy summer, I will continue to quote uh, you know, the great philosophers of our time, but like Busy Bone said, <laughs> don't let the light skin fool you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> cause he cause he ate that. My boy half Russian and half Korean. He bringing something he, he bringing something way different. <laughs> um yeah. But yeah, the Murata fight's gonna be that litmus test. It really is. I'm glad that there's some intersection a little bit anyways of some great fighters, right? We know that David Benavidez has what it takes to compete on the level um, with Canelo Alvarez. If there's one question that I would have, and it, it it's just the body, right? He is impressively wide like Canelo is, mm -hmm. right? He's got a frame on him. Like, dude, fucking his shoulders are massive, mm -hmm. massive. If he, like, put on some weight, dude, I'm telling you, he's got a frame to fight at heavyweight. I know people are like, what are you talking about? He's a super middleweight. I, I, with those shoulders, if he fucking dedicated himself to putting on weight like Alexander Usyk did, he's got the frame for it. Um, but coming with that frame, he's got a little bit of Tyson Fury. He's got that muffin fluff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't quite as bad, but. <laughs> no, but you can still see the aftershocks of punches landed on his face reverberating down his rib cage to his fucking muffin fluff. You know, so I do want to see what that looks like. I'm not worried about a Canelo Alvarez punch to David Benavidez's head. And if all of you are, you've been watching. You've been watching reruns of White Boy Summer way too much. <laughs> way too much. And punches to the face, uh, uh, no, they do not scare me at all for Benavidez. The only question for me, how does his body hold up? And then there, you know, you know how that story goes, man. We've seen it recently in fights. Uh, the longer the body holds up, the more of a chance you have to beat Canelo. Because yep. Canelo wants to wear you down. Um, and then once you're vulnerable, exploit you. I don't know, man. It's a tough proposition, but it is a must-have fight. This is the fight, Canelo versus David Benavides. I don't give a fuck what your assessment is about what he looked like last night and what Canelo looked like against Plant. That's the fight. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Jaime Munguia versus Gabe Rosado, Vin. I, you know what? We talk about Gabe Rosado. This dude came in last night looking like he, wasn't, he just wasn't going to take a loss. The thing with Gabe Rosado, he's so limited. He's such a basic he's fighter. He's very stylistically nice to look at. Nah, 
has no power really. Um, but fuck is he just aggressive and there for the fucking fight. And he was ready to, he sent a message to Jaime Munguia last night in the sense that, listen, son, you ain't going to just come in here and razzle dazzle this old man. I've been in the ring with the greats. Okay, son. And, uh, dude, he gave a great account of himself. I'm a much bigger Gay Bersado fan than I am a Jaime Munguia fan. As you can tell, I'm leading with the guy that really didn't stand a chance and um, that, you know, I, I fucking appreciate his balls. I love this man's balls. I would love to, I'd love to have this man's balls in my, in my hands. Like the cup, uh, cup and just see what the essence of, of that is. Yeah, very, not Kodo. I would need your help to hold those things up. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I just want to see what the feel like, man. Um, no, but honestly, man, you know, Jaime Munguia, I find it really funny, the announcers with him, man. They, they they all just think he's winded from the first second, but they won't say the obvious, like his fucking lips flapping the wind, right? So they're all thinking it. They're <laughs> thinking it the whole fight, and they keep insinuating it like, wow, his mouth's wide open. <laughs> he, is, he is tired. Look at him. And I'm like, nah, man, I think this dude... He just looks like that. Yeah, you know he he looks like a character from the, he looks like a character from the Mexican Simpsons. He just has that like he's got that jaw to him, man. And they're just trying to figure it out the whole fight. They're like, "What is that?" He's got that. Oh, he's God. got that baby Huey look to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does. You know, look, he, he he's he's nice to look at in the ring. Uh, he puts together nice combinations, man. But there's no substance with this kid for me, man. I, I think he is. He is all razzle dazzle, baby. He's tough, tough as fuck. I'll give him that. Yes, he's got ball. He's got balls too. But when it comes to the levels of substance, I don't know if he's got it, man. Yeah, my look. I will say, you know, in the in the preview show last week, I, look, I noticed some improvements. He's gotten better as a fighter. You know, there hasn't been, but there's been an exaggeration of those improvements. Like his combinations are a little tighter now. He's not winging wild shots from from out of range and. You know he's tightened up his game for sure across the board, but he gets hit way too much, way too much. And I know he's young, and he appears to have the chin and, and be sturdy enough to take punches. But you're getting clocked with overhand rights from Gabe last night, and Gabe can't punch. Gabe couldn't punch at 154. He's not a big puncher at 160. I know he's got a knockout of the year candidate from earlier in the year, so it sounds goofy saying that. But you have to think about that punch. Like that was a hail mary overhand right with a guy coming in straight at it as fast as the punch was coming at him. So it just was the perfect scenario for that knockout. But Gabe doesn't possess power like that. And no. But the way Gabe was landing, you 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 see a guy like Golovkin or or you know Jamal Charlo or somebody that hits harder landing big overhand rights can Jaime Munguia last 12 rounds like he did last night I, I'm not so sure that would be my biggest concern but other than that it's hard to find a fight that the guy's in that isn't fucking entertaining at least I mean he gets to the ring and, he, and he's gonna throw down and he's gonna give you an entertaining fight um, but to, to me I, I'm kind of with you I I want to say he's overrated. I just want to like he is what he is. Fun fighter to watch, throws a ton of punches, and I think is going to be in some really fun fights. But I think he'll never really get over the hump of like becoming an elite fighter. I just don't. He's missing whatever that little piece of that is. He doesn't have it. Maybe he can get it. Still young, 
but I, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm kind of just not, I'm not seeing that special, you know, from him. I'm just not seeing it. No, I see more of like a middleweight version of Omar Figueroa when I watch him. I, I don't know, man. It's just a little w- willy nilly, a little overrated. The power's a little overrated. Um, you know, I would agree with that. And it, like people come out of that fight, they're like, oh, wow, Mungia, razzle dazzle. So, you know, like, like look at shake and bike. And I, okay. And everybody's convinced that the next glove can we see against Murata is going to look like the zombie version of Golovkin, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what they're, that's what everybody is expecting. So they're like, oh, yeah, Mungia activity, razzle-dazzle. Look at it. He'll, he'll easily beat Golovkin. I, I'm sitting here. I'm like, wasn't it just like two years ago <laughs> when, when the, the, the patron saint of Las Vegas boxing came out and said, I will not have Jaime Mungia's corpse displayed for the public because Gennady Golovkin murdered him not on my watch <laughs> right I mean look I know Bob's got mad reach his his reach game is on point but he don't got reach in New York City where that fight's gonna happen no no <laughs> you know or California like so I maybe maybe we're good to go on on this one you know, Bob's just sitting there stewing, going, oh, no, poor Jaime. Poor <laughs> Jaime's going to die. And that's how they were treating this kid. Yes. I, I never, I, I couldn't remember the last time that that had happened. I mean, they allow fucking guys with brain bleeds and fucking guys that are in their 60s to fight professional fights. Yeah. You know? No, this kid is not ready. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, maybe he's ready now. Who knows? You know, <laughs> I, I don't. Th- I don't see that fight playing out well for him. That's all. That's what I'll say. I just. I bet you Golovkin like gets like like somebody like fucking texts him like a little video that just looks at it and goes, Nah, young. <laughs> <laughs> nah, young. Um, you guys keep looking for those chinks and 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 chunks in the armor. You guys keep fucking looking for it, man. It's it when I see that man stumble that's when I'll say he's done. When his fucking knees give out from underneath to him and he's got to drop to a knee or the exhaustion brings him to the ground, you ain't one punching that motherfucker. It just no. ain't happening. No. No. If you chop him down and he falls, then I will I will wait. I'm not waving the white flag, but I will submit in that moment. I will lose that battle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'd love, I I'd love to yet, see. Dude. Yeah, I'd love to see people attempt to do it because that means you're going to have to walk through that fire to do it. And I, there's not too many out there that can take that still. I don't care if he's 40 or not. Again, give it to me, baby. You know what I'm saying? Give it to me. I want it. Give me Golovkin Mungia. I'm tired of motherfuckers standing around. You look, I'm a, I'm a triple G fan through and through one of my favorite fighters of all time. Okay. But uh, like, I'm not like, looking forward to another alternate universe move like I, this upcoming fight with Murata is what it is this is a it's it, look it's a middleweight unification fight it is going to be a fucking event if it turns out being you know Tyson you know versus fucking Buster Douglas in <laughs> in Japan it turns out being that but it'll be a hell of a new year's celebration one way or the other 
But I don't want to see I don't want to see Bevall and Zerto and fucking Tank Davis over here in La La Land saying he the <laughs> oh Canelo just the one sixty eight version of me huh? <laughs> like what <laughs> can we all get in a room together let's strike up a conversation let's get on the same page guys and if those are the fights we need the crossroads fights that bring other fights together fucking do it man let's do it. Look, either way, just make the motherfucking fights. All right, let's move on from the post-fight. Let's get to the fight preview and get out of here, Vin. November 20th at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, uh, nearing a sellout, from what I understand, if it's already not sold out. Um, Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter for the WBO welterweight championship. Everybody knows the backstory to this fight, right? Ter- Terrence Crawford has needed a, a, an opponent to establish himself at 147 in the minds of a large faction of boxing fans. And then there's the diehard segment of Terrence Crawford's fan base that is kind of split. It's a lot of apathy for Terrence Crawford right now. So they need to see something too. Um, Terrence Crawford's 34, 35 years old. So we'll see where his body's at, but I think the dog remains. And I think that this is his opportunity. Sean Porter. Most people have, and I think he's earned this moniker. Uh, he's the he's the most battle tested welterweight on the planet right now. Now that Manny Pacquiao's gone, if for those who need proof that Terrence Crawford is at least on Errol Spence's level, right? Then this is the guy. This is his Birdo moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, Sean. I don't mean to disrespect you like that, you know. But um, dude, this is a big moment. In, in boxing right now because Bud could make a statement and go back to being Bud, just sort of aloof and living his life and loving his family and uh, re-sign with top rank, yep. right? Or it could, it could lead to bigger and better things. I think a statement is what's on the mind of Bud Crawford for this fight. What do you think, man? Yeah, I think we've fucking seen it in the way he's approached this fight is a little different. You, It, it feels different. Um, and Quite frankly, it's kind of how he should approach it. And I know Porter's kind of playing that up on his side. Like, you know, we're, we're going to get in his head. Like, that, that's, that's what we're doing. We want him to press. We emotional. Want, yeah, we, we, want, we want him to be emotional about this fight. Like, dude, I don't, like, is that, you sure you want Terrence Crawford to be emotional? We've seen him emotional in the ring. When he gets emotional, that's usually bad for the guy on the other side of the ring. So I don't know. I don't know about the strategy there from from Team Porter. <clears throat> I'll put it like this. I love Sean Porter as a fighter, okay? Um, I grew to kind of enjoy his style. At the beginning, I went, good Lord. And he's cleaned it up as the years have gone on. You know, the the three yards in a cloud of dust boxing style that is Sean Porter. It's It's gotten better. It's gotten more palatable. And he has fought everybody, and he's fought everybody tough. But I, I just think there's a difference in the style of guys that he's fought and Crawford's uh, more of closer to a Keith Thurman ish fighter than he is a Errol Spence fighter. I think you're going to see Sean Porter step back and counter. I mean, I'm, I think you're going to see, excuse me. I think you're going to see Terrence Crawford step back and counter Sean Porter with big shots all night. It's just a matter of does the volume of Sean Porter get to Terrence Crawford or does Terrence Crawford piece him up but up enough that Sean Porter's got to step back himself and try to box a little bit in this fight. And either way, I think he's screwed. 
This Terrence Crawford is just better at everything in the sport of boxing than Sean Porter is. The only thing that Sean Porter has an advantage of going into this fight is physical strength. I think he's a little bit stronger of a fighter on the inside. He may, he may hold that physical strength advantage, but Crawford's not just going to give it to him. So this, there, there's going to be, you know, a couple different ways this fight can play out. But to me, I think Crawford shines on Saturday night, Ken. And I think he has the most definitive win against Sean Porter to date and with, with this performance and makes the statement he needs to make. I don't know if he gets a stoppage. That's a big ask. Sean Porter's a tough, tough fighter. But I think Terrence Crawford is uh, set to shine come Saturday night, my friend. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, a statement. I think the first half of this fight is very physical. I think that Sean Porter cannot box with Terrence Crawford. That'll look way too suspicious. Like, oh, look at these two. They said they weren't friends until after the fight. They sure do look like friends. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, it's like, yeah, Sean Porter's going to have to come forward and try to maul him a little bit and, 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 and hopefully make Terrence Crawford uncomfortable. What's going to end up happening with that strategy? It's just going to backfire. It's going to end up pissing Terrence Crawford off at some point. Um, and there's a sloppiness even to this day with Sean Porter's offense. Like he looks fundamentally pretty sound and solid when he does box. It's just not the strong point of his game. Mm -hmm. His physicality is the strong point of his game. So when he does become physical and he puts his hand in the dirt and he comes forward, his attack looks very haphazard. He swallows his range. He still does it to this day. That's not to say he can't back up, and he's got a decent jab. He really does. But he knows that he's going to have to try some way to get into Terrence Crawford's head and throw him off. Unfortunately, in doing so, um, he's going to be serving his head up on a platter for Terrence Crawford. I do predict a stoppage, and I think it's going to be late. I think this is going to be a physical fight. I think that this has potential... Um, to unseat Chocolatito Estrada too for fight of the year. I really do. I, you know, I think that the physicality of Sean Porter is going to be something, if he does it, if he does it, if he puts his foot on the gas, it's going to be something that Terrence Crawford really hasn't seen. Um, so, you know, to me, I think that there will be a bit of a rude awakening early on. But like I said, Terrence Crawford's always calculating. Uh, he's all, you know, he's taking tabs, seeing what you're doing seeing what you're putting together. He's looking for openings. I think he's filled out strength-wise at 147 pounds. I mean, he looks physically fucking strong, and we know his mentality is mean. So give me Terrence Crawford uh, with a 10th-round stop mm. of Sean Porter, and I think he drops him two or three times in the fight. I'll tell you what. If he does that, uh, I don't care how many uh, belts Errol Spence has right now. You're the number one welterweight in the world. If he does that. Oh, period. And I think one thing that, you know, I say a knockout's going to be hard. I would not be surprised at all to see what you just predicted happen, that it become too much late in this fight because Crawford is teeing off and landing big shots. He might not be landing a ton of shots, but when he's landing, he is landing monster shots. And, I, you know, I was kind of thinking about this as you were talking I don't know if there's anybody better in boxing, in an exchange, in range, that is more accurate and more devastating a counter puncher than Terrence Crawford is. Like being in the exchange, 
when it's going on, both guys throwing punches. Crawford has an uncanny ability to kind of like slow all that down and find that spot and find that timing unlike any fighter in the sport. And I think people sleep on that. And if he's able to do that to Sean Porter coming in, like you're saying, that that knockout could very, very well happen in this fight and would not surprise me because of that ability that Terrence Crawford has. I mean, he is a lethal, lethal in tight. That, that, think about the uppercut to Jose Benavidez, like that type of exchange. Some of those exchanges with Gamboa, I know it was a long time ago, but you're talking about a guy with really fast hands in Gamboa. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Crawford's still able to catch him clean in exchanges. So, that, yeah, you know, we know that Crawford's into, you know, he's into a fight where he's going to see something that he's never seen. I'm going to go ahead and say the same for Sean Porter. This is the most gifted fighter across the board that he's been in the ring with. And I know Errol Spence fans, that's going to drive you nuts to hear. That's not saying that Errol Spence isn't better. I'm just saying the tools that Crawford possesses, he has more than Errol Spence, okay? And, and, and Sean Porter's going to deal with with stuff in the ring Saturday night. He's been in it with everybody, but he ain't been in with Terrence Crawford, and he's going to he's gonna find out some things about himself too. This is going to be a can't-miss fucking fight on Saturday night, dude. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't know why I keep remembering this. What keeps jumping in my mind is the end of, I don't know it's years ago now, but the end of Porter versus Broner, right? Where he got caught by Broner coming in, and I'm like, if fucking Broner, fucking Broner can do that. I, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, like, I know he lost the fight. I know Porter won, and eh, Porter deserved to win. But it's that. It, 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 it took an inferior fighter like Adrian Broner the entire length of the fight to get that timing. Right there, and a little bit of fucking haphazard and sloppiness and a little overconfidence mm-hmm. by Sean Porter. But like you said, that's where what Terrence Crawford does at range. It, it it's a lights out punch. Like he's got serious power there, and it's really un, it, it becomes. It, I know this sounds like a bit of hyperbole. It really becomes a, a worst case scenario for his opponent. If they end up landing something that hurts Crawford, yeah, because <laughs> then what happens is in those exchanges is he fucking fires back. He doesn't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, it's a it's a refreshing thing to say about a fighter, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's it like is. you can only say that about a few fighters over the last ten years. Ruslan Provodnikov does not like that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> like just one of those guys that's got something else to him, like. What's wrong with that motherfucker? <laughs> right. <laughs> there are some screws loose. I thought fucking because Bud Crawford comes off as this super fucking chill, laid back country dude. You know, loves being outside, loves playing with his kids, loves fucking going to wrestling tournaments for his kids. He's just a fucking dad, <laughs> right? But when he gets in the ring, he becomes something completely different. Um, and especially when provoked. I love that. I love when fighters get pissed. Oh, I, like when you can see a fighter get heated. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you can see it like when he's had exchanges with other fighters and they like that if that famous exchange between him and Spence uh, back uh, backstage before a fight happened. And you could just see like as soon as Spence makes a comment where he's like, you ain't got no ass, boy. You ain't going to hurt me. And right then you could just see that Terrence Crawford is like, oh, hell no, son. 
Hell no. <laughs> Let's bet a million dollars right fucking now. Like that's the type of dude he is. And I think that comes out on Saturday night. Could come out in a very big way, but I think either way, you going I'm gonna take Crawford by a fairly wide decision, like eight, nine rounds. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is. I haven't bet on a fight in a long time. I've been losing all my money on the NFL this year. <laughs> um so I haven't had any ends to throw down on a scrap, but um, I'm going to be loving this one, and I'm definitely going to put some action down uh, for Shizzle because I am loving this matchup. Uh, the undercard is what it is, you know. So fuck whatever. Yeah. yeah, it gives. Yeah, exactly. Um, this one will definitely deliver. So ESPN pay per view this Saturday night: Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter. You got anything else, man? Nah, man. I ain't no news and notes. The the fight season, all the fights have been announced. Let's just uh, let's just get some good fights before the end of the year here. Let's do it. All right, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 337 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Please subscribe anywhere audio podcasts are available. The video version is available on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Subscribe there as well. Follow us on Twitter at Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. And drop by the TBR swag store and pick up some gear today. Um, you can find links to that at theboxingrant.com. Follow the show at The Boxing Rant everywhere on social media. And we'll be back next week with the post fight of Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter in a preview of Tiafimo Lopez versus George Cambosis. So we'll see you next time on The Boxing Rant Podcast. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get it.